Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Medic Mornings. I'm your host, Fiona, and oh my god, I have missed you guys so freaking much. Medical school has literally been such a roller coaster. Like, there's been so many ups and so many downs, so many goods and so many bads. Like, where do I even start? Six months ago, I started medical school, and I cannot believe like how different I am like how much has changed in the last six five six months and I have so much to tell you the reason why I kind of like dropped off podcasting was because I had so much on my plate like starting medical school I wanted to keep a bit of a social life as well as continue my social media and also like I've kind of eradicated YouTube from my presence now so I've had to like take podcasting and YouTube away from my hands The thing that really snapped me out of it was yesterday at 1am, I was just scrolling through my TikTok comments, not a care in the world, I completely forgot that I had a 9am lecture today and I was just scrolling through my comments and I saw this comment that was like, I miss your podcast and every time someone says they miss my podcast, I'm like, no fucking way, like, no way did I have that impact but now I've just realised how much I miss it, like how much I just miss yapping to like strangers and because my social circle is so small like I my four or five friends are already sick of me just like complaining about everything but I just want to let you guys know what the deal is so yeah okay so I think the only appropriate way to approach this is in chronological order so I'm gonna start from the very beginning in Freshers Week also this is all like unedited by the way like I'm not going to like spend too much time editing because that's what stressed me out the most um, about podcasting so I'm just gonna try like get this all in one take hopefully I won't stutter too much or like have to stop too much but anyways at the beginning Freshers Week the first day Um, I remember Freshers Week, there was a Friday where everyone was coming into Sheffield and we had like a meetup with a bunch of other people on the course, like pretty much everyone came, everyone who was in accommodation came Um, and it was just like a friendly meetup but at that point I feel like everyone was already stressed that they had all found their friendship groups they're probably just like looking around and being like oh my god like everyone has their own like group because everyone's standing in little circles everyone's kind of introducing each other and like I remember being the only one who like commuted that I knew of um I knew of people a few people who commuted like on trains for two hours but at that time I lived like 30 minutes away from the school so I just kind of felt like an outsider I remember as a gap year student, I was horrified and so astounded by how much the previous year 13s, like previous year 13s who didn't take a gap year, uh, partied and clubbed through Freshers Week because one of my good friends, um, she literally like clubbed, went out clubbing for all five, six nights in freshers week and me and my other gap year friend were like how the fuck do you do it like how do you go out every single night get shit face drunk come back and still have enough energy for the next 9 a.m because a misconception is that freshers week doesn't really consist of like many um many lectures 
but there were lots of introductory lectures in the freshers week um especially for medicine i think this is like a common thing for medical students to have to do like extra stuff extra pre-reading extra like introductory stuff so yeah that was like my freshers week i kind of enjoyed it it eased me definitely eased me back in um back to education and I think by the end of Freshers Week, like on the Friday, everyone had pretty much found their friendship groups. Like, I know I definitely found like half of my friendship group through Freshers Week. Um, And the first thing that the first topic that we went through after Freshers was I am a mess. So this is introductory stuff. It's basically A level stuff. Like, I think most medical students contest that like majority of the introductory lectures are a-level stuff to catch everyone up to catch up like the graduate entry people um and then we did like a deeper dive into like lectures so like Krebs um enzymes like neural pathways like all that all that stuff is in like first three months I would say and then we hopped into cardio respiratory gi and now we're on our neuroblog um one thing about sheffield is that the clinical skills is really like honed in upon they really want you to get like as much patient exposure as possible one of the ways we do this is through our gp scheme so there's an early years gp scheme that we see um we go to a gp every other week and we speak to the gps but not necessarily to patients so we see procedures and things but they're very minor procedures like last week we saw like a joint injection in a knee like a steroid injection and it's not like major procedures you don't see like surgery or anything like that in your first year um it's mostly like community so they really emphasize like primary care um outpatient settings um, I saw the patients. I you're lucky to even see patients sometimes because um you're usually talking to the GP um about like a scenario. Like GPs have to get certain teaching hours, and they get this by um they're and they're actually getting paid a lot to have like teaching sessions with you. So most of the time, they really do track put in the effort and um teach you about your clinical skill stuff. Um, we also have this thing called community attachment scheme. Um, the school basically gives you £24 for the transport, which is something that like all of the year ones are kind of contesting right now. But the community attachment scheme is where you drive or you travel to visit a patient in their home and then you get lots of information about them, about their condition. And usually these are like patients who are very open uh, because they volunteered for it and the patients will like talk about their conditions which are usually very complex like my patient had like a load of cancers and then after three sessions of these you will like come up with a report and report back to your group um usually travel to your uh, patient in pairs or in threes because the school has decided that it's like unsafe to travel like by yourself so we usually travel in pairs my group is a three and then you just speak about the patient obviously anonymity and like you have to be very um what's it called like confidential about it so you can't like reveal their actual name to the group but yeah 
And then the other patient contact encounters that we had, it's literally called an encounter. Like when I heard it, I was like, why is it called patient encounters? Like it sounds like a zoo. It sounds like they're a zoo animal, but yeah, it's called patient encounters. And we have like three weeks of hospital experience. So you're not actually in a hospital. It's a clinical skills lab based in the hospital. Um, and it's only for like medical students to use. We did some first aid, like we did some chest compressions, some like life-saving skills. And then we also did like some basic GP clinical skills. So what did I do? I learned how to take a manual blood pressure, which is so pointless. I could not do a manual blood pressure to save my life. Like I tried putting the stethoscope under the cuff. This is a thing where like, um, you have to put it like on their upper arm and then you have to inflate the cuff until it literally like feels unbearable. Like it feels like your veins are going to pop. And then <laughs> they have to like um, decompress the cuff and then you have to put your stethoscope and then you have to hear like when the blood um, starts flowing again and then when the blood stops. And that's like your systolic and diastolic pressure. Anyways, like I did not understand that at all because I tried like listening, but all I could hear were like rustles. And apparently you're not supposed to put the stethoscope inside the cuff. You're supposed to put it like on your arm, like right below. Anyways, that's crazy. And I also like put my put my finger on my radio pulse or what I thought was a radio pulse and I was like am I dead because I cannot feel my own pulse but then I asked a fourth year and she was like it's literally right here and I was like oh <laughs> oh I did not know like what was going on but yeah clinical skills were so fun like just feeling like I even have like a little semblance of becoming a doctor like that's genuinely crazy to me um, but I really enjoy that a lot of first year is lectures because right now I'm really enjoying lectures and I know from hearing from older students that they wish they had lectures again because clinical can get so isolating sometimes I feel like I haven't really experienced like in hospital placements yet but I do understand that it can feel a bit isolating sometimes especially since lectures are the only time where you and the entire year group will be together in one setting like together even in my GP placements and CAS placements like we're all quite separate so I really like having that feeling of like it's a little family and there's like 300 of, 300 of us but it's it's still so cute um one experience where I genuinely cried because a patient was mean to me. I'm gonna go into like a bit more detail because I remember putting up my Instagram story and literally like 50 people went like, oh my God, are you okay? And I literally, it was so bad, it was so bad. But basically here's like the general gist of what happened. So we had to give a patient a telephone call and this was, I, I'm not sure what the exact reason was for, but I think it's because like GP, um, GPs often have to like give telephone calls so they want us to get a sense of what it's like especially since you can't read like body language over the phone so basically I called the patient in my car and I was like hi my name's Fiona I'm a first year medical student nice to meet you um how are you doing today and then she was really nice from the beginning she had like a neurological issue 
and I won't specify what the issue was but she basically spoke about it and I kind of knew what the condition was but not quite sure so as I was on the phone I like searched it up and then she was like she I remember she said um one of her symptoms like she said oh my dizziness and my nausea has gotten better so scoot down to like two minutes later I asked I told her oh you previously mentioned that your symptoms have gotten better she said no and then she was like my condition is not just about dizziness and nausea it's also about like self-confidence and like self-morale and then she continued to go like you should know this you're a medical student you should know this you're a professional and she continued to talk about how like her condition um I should know that her condition wasn't just the physiological issues it was also the mental and like and then after that like every single question I asked going forward she would be like why would you ask me something like that and then she would be like she would act as if the question that I said was incredibly like absurd like I must have been a stupid bitch to even have asked her that and no one would ever ask her that and then it was just like went to the point where I was like do you feel like you have a few like um do you feel like this condition has affected your mental health and she was like obviously like ha like obviously this condition impacts every part of my mental health and I was like okay like I don't know what I did to her but I apologized at the end and then she was like yeah okay and then she hung up and I was just like at the time it was such like I literally burst into tears as soon as she ended the phone call because in the moment it was such a distressing situation to think that like I insulted and offended another patient and I like caused her to feel that way but then I understand that because of her condition it might have just been a bad day it might have just been just one little thing that triggered um like her spiral or I don't know it just feels sounds so stupid right now but I'm just upset that I hurt her and I don't think there was anything that I could have done better but maybe just reading about the situation reading about her condition um could have prevented that and that's what I did <laughs> Another aspect about medical school is that you will inevitably find yourself making excuses for not having enough time. And I genuinely think that I don't have enough time. I literally stop doing all my hobbies. I don't take part in any societies. All I focus on is medicine and my social media. And I genuinely think that I'm just making excuses, which is why I started going to the gym again, or which I will start going to the gym again. I got a gym membership and I'm going to force myself in the gym to make it worth it and worth my money because I did spend like 17 pounds on a one month membership and I do have to go back to the gym but yeah I just find myself making excuses all the time like I don't have time to go ice skating I don't have time to go do my other hobbies but the truth is that you have to make time for everything and I have to learn that because in the future I will have even less time to do stuff so finding exercise eating right is what I'm trying to maintain at the moment because I think as medical students we 
neglect like our own health a lot and especially my mental health I feel like mental health and physical health go hand in hand together and I found myself like self-deprecating I found myself like saying oh my gosh my body like my body's getting fatter like I literally look in the mirror and I'm like I can't deal with this because as a medical student I think that my stress and my eating habits have gotten worse and it's like a never-ending cycle because as my stress increases my eating increases and because my eating increases my stress also increases so I think breaking that cycle is what I'm trying to like undergo at the moment because I'm just trying to eat better and sleep better and do everything better but I guess that's also like the (laughs) medical student side of me is that I'm trying to like make sure that I don't fall into that cycle of perfectionism but also trying to perfect my self-care and self-routine at the same time anyways now I want to talk a little bit about my um posters because a lot of people have been commenting and asking for help on my recent research poster um which I've presented at two um conferences now one was a national conference and one was a regional conference held by my medical school um but I'm so excited I did not think that I would get it this far but I'm just going to give some generic info and some tips on how you can also conduct your own research as well so I started this by doing an essay competition with rare beacons and they are a rare disease charity they kind of talk about rare diseases everything and how rare diseases there's so little information and so little like treatment I think about five percent of rare diseases are curable like treatable and you get paired with the patients and you get um to write an essay about them and it's basically an essay competition if you win you get published if you win you get like 250 pounds and you get to go to this um cool conference thing but I did not win (laughs) spoiler a lot I just got the results like two weeks ago and I was so disappointed that I didn't win because I spent a lot of time a lot more time than I should have especially as a first year medical student but I think I was getting a bit too into my own head um I think I was just like hoping that I would win and I looked at the previous winners um essay entries and I was like okay mine is up to that standard but now I'm just I'm learning to accept it and just move on but I'm glad that something really good came out of it so my patient that I was paired with is a deafblind advocate she's um an Usher syndrome patient basically deaf blindness genetic congenital like this is a progressive um disease and she's had it since she was a baby she's had she's been blind since no wait she's been deaf since she was a baby but then she continued she became blind at the age of seven I think and then now she her field of vision is very small so she lip reads she does not um like do sign language because even the sign language like hand gestures are too out of her visual field and when I heard that I was like oh my gosh like she her and her story inspires me so fucking much like when I spoke to her on the um on the zoom call I was just like wow she is such an inspiration I genuinely enjoyed every single moment talking to her and speaking with her and 
basically i had a call with her for the competition and obviously i had to touch on some mental health aspects but then i realized there is an increasing like risk of depression in usher syndrome patients and this was previously attributed to usher syndrome patients being deafblind so they're unable to see unable to hear so obviously they will have an increased risk of depression because um there is like really little like support for this so i was like okay i just found out that there's just speaking with her i got some really good qualitative data and i analyzed that and it seems that a lot of her experiences that attributed to her depression were due to healthcare factors and factors outside of her control so i wanted to do some research on how we can improve this for deafblind patients because as she said deafblind people are not acknowledged by the public so they're either deaf or they're blind like no one ever says if you're deafblind they just say if you're deaf or if you're blind so because there's no acknowledgement i wanted to be one of the first people to kind of show how us as healthcare professionals us as providers we can change this and improve the healthcare that they're receiving and i've had two zoom calls with her at that point and then i was like okay i'm going to write a separate study um about you i'd love to have a case report on you and she was like yeah sure of course she was so chill about it and i'm so thankful for her she also plays golf as a deaf blind pe- person as well and i was like what the fuck she is so cool <laughs> but i have like nothing but good words to speak about her and then I didn't have a supervisor on this at all, but I remember at my first conference which was which was just 1 month ago, a professor, a psychiatrist who studied deafness in patients, he walked up to my research because I was doing a poster presentation that day and he was like, "This is amazing. Like this is such a rare disease. I don't know how you did it with no supervisor, but I love to supervise you." And he also lives in Sheffield. He's also based in Sheffield like in and in the surrounding cities. So I was like, "Perfect. Like I love to I love to do this. I love to have you as a supervisor." And I just wanted him to give me some guidance because I was just freestyling this at this point. <laughs> like my poster was so wordy. He was just like, you can just take one eighth of that and put some diagrams, and it'll be cool. And I was just like, oh my god, yes, give me more criticism, thank you. Oh, but I'm so grateful that I had this opportunity and took the incentive to find like how this Usher syndrome could relate to depression because in the past people have just been like, oh, Usher syndrome, of course you're depressed, like you can't see, you can't hear, but now it's like. Oh wait, this could be due to healthcare factors like how healthcare staff are treating deafblind patients differently, the like intrinsic bias and also the waiting list and how that exacerbates their existing symptoms. And I just I'm so involved and so like needing for this research to go further because the world needs to know more about Usher syndrome. But I've submitted this to an international congress and i'm so hoping that it goes through <laughs> um and yeah if the moral of story is don't let anyone tell you no like don't take no for an answer because i remember i spoke to a professor 
not gonna name names but i spoke to a professor at the beginning of the year and i was like do you think it's possible for medical students to do you think it's possible for medical students to do research and this is a very senior ranking professor um he's pretty much like the head of something i don't remember but I was just like, do you think it's possible for me to do research? And he was like, absolutely not. Like, medical students cannot do research. And I was like, what? But even as a first year, I've spoken to so many fourth years and fifth years, and they all have conducted some research of some kind, not as a first author, obviously, but like, even in your research SSCs, there's a chance that will get published. And even if you're like, like, the last author it still means something you know especially because I'm trying to like break the barriers of getting into research and getting into academia like it's this is so important for me so I just want to make sure that everyone knows that it is possible even at a first year level like it is possible no matter what education level you are no matter how little or how much you know about statistics like anything is possible okay I'm going to start answering some questions because you guys have the most creative questions ever, I swear to God. (laughs) Someone said, what do you do when you don't feel like studying at all? I feel so burnt out and I can't study at all. I feel you. Like, I have had so many moments where I was just like, I cannot do this because I've just started doing Anki flashcards. Like, if you look at my heat map right now, it's quite literally empty. Like only today and only yesterday I've done like 200 100 cards and people always compare each other to themselves like they always go like oh how many flashcards have you done today as of the bigger the number the better you'll retain it like that is so not the case we are all like independent we are all like we all have our own individual differences and we all have our own strengths and weaknesses and there's no need to compare yourself. In terms of what to do when you're actually burnt out, I usually just let myself like, I don't let myself stress about it. I don't do any work if I don't want to and I feel like that's quite easy to say when I'm in first year. So maybe you shouldn't take this advice from me. But when I don't do want to do the work, I just don't because I know that if I continue to put pressure on myself and continue to like increase the workload for myself it will quite literally like break me in the long run and I will probably get less out of it also like another tip that I have is to make sure that you set yourself increments and like time scales like time what's it called like time boundaries um to study so don't make yourself study for eight hours straight because that is not effective if you study for 45 minute increments and 15 minute breaks you will tell yourself okay i have to work for this 45 minutes then i'll have that break in like 30 minutes or however long it'll take me but if you give yourself like eight hours then you'll always keep pushing it forward you'll always like procrastinate your mind will be somewhere else if you don't take breaks then you're not going to know when that next break is and you won't have something to aim for you know like as humans we have like that intrinsic nature to always look for the next thing and you're always going to find yourself yearning for that break so if you spend eight hours trust me seven of those hours is not going to be productive work and it's just going to be you like working at 50 percent whereas if you work for at 
95% for 45 minutes at a time and then take a 15 minute break like honestly that is so much more effective and so much more productive and just a better use of your time than if you were to take like no breaks at all someone said have you been to australia and what did you think of your visit ah i can't believe you asked me that (laughs) that's so cute so i have been to australia i've been to sydney in the winter so i think it was like july like the summer holiday for us but the winter holidays for them and i went on the sydney harbour bridge and i also went to the sydney like what's the famous market called like the fish market and it was so fun like there were like seagulls just pecking at my oysters so that was not that much fun but i genuinely loved sydney like i think i would rather go in our winter time so like their summer holidays and then i would really get to experience the like Australian summer because I think that's when like people start to go like oh my god there's snakes there's crocodiles there's like alligators there's so many like pests and stuff but I don't know kind of into it like I definitely wouldn't live there because I feel like Australia is just a tiny bit scary if I were to live there and also geographically like I don't think I'm in the right mindset to like properly live there and move my entire life there but I would definitely visit again and I love it so much okay last question someone asked has it been difficult settling into uni after a gap year in terms of content studying again etc absolutely not I don't know if it's the like it's me talking right now and it actually was difficult and I just don't remember it but I don't remember it being that bad like I think having friends and having like people around you who have also been through gap years um, it makes all the difference because you know you're not behind and you don't feel the age difference genuinely like when you're in a lecture theater you don't immediately look at people and think oh I wonder if they've taken a gap year or not because it's genuinely not noticeable and also the age difference is not noticeable as well like I have seen so many other 19 year olds 20 year olds there's one guy on our course that's like 25 year old (laughs) but you don't notice it and there's so many people like there was this girl in anatomy who I'm like friends with now but she took a whole like she had a whole degree and I didn't even know until like three months ago I can't even remember how I found out like it's genuinely that insignificant age is nothing well that sounds a bit wrong because age is not just a number but it's like you don't think about how old people are and like I've if you're thinking about like relationship wise because I know we're all thinking that like I've seen fifth like fourth year girl medics make out with first year guy medics like it is not that bad and it's also like people in uni people in medical school in particular like they're not out for something serious like there are definitely people for serious relationships but there are also like majority of people are not here to look for their future husband or look for a future like relationship like everyone is quite chill about it and everyone's just trying to get on with their life like have a good social life have a good like career and make something out of it and as far as I know, everyone's quite studious and prioritizes their education. And the main reason why they're here in uni is because of that. And 
yeah also about finances like let's not talk about that because a lot of my friends are like their student finance doesn't even cover their like accommodation so that's the end of this episode thank you guys so so much for joining me for today and i'm so sorry that i didn't post any episodes for literally six months but genuinely thank you from the bottom of my heart for remembering about this podcast and what it will be in the future and i really hope that i continue to make more episodes because i really enjoyed making today's one um and yeah thank you so much again and see you later bye bye